You are listening to the Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Joshua Fierstein, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's so good to have you on the program today. Thank you. Excited to be here. There is so much that I'd love to talk with you about today. For the listeners that never heard of you, could you share some of your backstory, please, and bring us up to what you're doing today? Sure. So, uh, actually started as a little stuttering kid uh, in special ed- uh, education, and uh, that's no exaggeration. Spent years as the stuttering kid, the loser, the outcast. The age of seventeen, God miraculously heals me, uh, and at that at that point and in that particular service, I decided that I'm going to use my voice for Him and mm. uh, devoted myself to the ministry. Ended up uh, serving as an evangelist for several years, then started a church. We grew from a few people in a living room to, uh, at one point, around 1,500 people, and uh, then went through one of the toughest, most uh, most depressing low points in my life, was broken and shattered in what seemed like a billion pieces, and then through all of that, discovered the power of social media, ended up doing gospel-centered, evangelistic, and inspirational videos, and then moved in even into the political space and ended up using all of the stuff that I learned there, did a little over 4 billion uh, organic vi- uh, video views, Wow! Um, had a few million followers on uh, Facebook, and ended up learning that there was a power, you know, as everything began to switch in the, in the commerce world, just in industry and, and, and stuff, everything started moving to digital advertising, found that this was an incredible way to fund ministry and to take the creative things that I had learned in the viral video space and, and running ads and stuff and actually use it to build a business and in turn fund the kingdom. And so that's where we're currently at. Uh, I've exited a couple of companies successfully in the digital marketing space, launched a new one with a former guest on this wonderful podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm actually in the process of launching a church that uh, is going to take a whole new twist to church as we know it using social media. And um, yeah, so that's where we're at right now. Wow. Fascinating. Let me circle back on what happened at 17. Explain the healing that occurred from your stuttering. I was a kid that literally ate lunch alone. Like, you know, when when uh, I would say I was an outcast, I had developed at the about the age of four a horrific speech impediment. If I were to talk, I literally sounded like an over anxious rap DJ. Uh, I would just you know do 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 do, do, do you think you know? And uh, when you grow up with a speech impediment like that, I mean, I was picked on. I got in a lot of physical altercations. Ended up having to transfer schools, uh, even though. I was the one that was being bullied, had to transfer schools, um, got, got picked on there, but it, it built a certain tenacity in me all, all through that place, you know, in life, I developed a relationship with, with God that was really, really deep for, for a kid, my, my age, just a dedication, you know, not being able to talk to other people kind of leads you to find someone that you can talk to. And for me, it was God. 
and um, just developed a really strong uh, relationship. Grew up in a Christian family. At the age of 17, I was actually uh, serving on a youth staff as just a peon at a church of about 5,000 people. Was serving on their youth staff and happened to have a Wednesday night in which they asked a bunch of the youth staff members to give a uh, short five-minute sermon. And the only way that I could speak without stuttering horrifically was if I were to read something. And if I were to read it, then I'd be able to get through it because it would slow my brain down and I would have to take word for word for word. Mm -hmm. And so I typed out this entire thing. I was extremely nervous. Long story short, I stand in the pulpit that night and uh, the most incredible thing happened. In fact, nobody will ever be able to convince me that God is not real. And it's simply because of this one of millions of things that have happened since then that have been nothing short of divine. But as I started to read the very first line, I just felt the power of God in an overwhelming way. And the next thing I know is I'm preaching as if I've been a seasoned preacher and no, no notes totally went off, off script. I'm not reading it anymore and I'm just preaching. And, you know, there's a few hundred kids there on a, on a Wednesday night service. And a lot of them were the ones that had made fun of me and they witnessed the miracle as much as I did. Uh, and in doing so just was an incredible altar call and lots of kids gave their lives to Christ that particular night, the pastor of the uh, church hears about it, has me a couple Sundays uh, later to actually come and speak in front of the main uh, congregation. And that was the beginning of everything that I'm doing now, literally 13 years from the age of four to 17, that I just have this horrific speech impediment. And yet through all of that, a deep relationship with God. And then mm. when when he just turned the tide, he turned the tide and everything accelerated in such a fast, I mean, unbelievable pace. So yeah, it was that, it was that one miracle that just unleashed the magnanimous, incredible, auspicious, wonderful things that, that, uh, that, that God's done over the last 30 years. What a story. I love it. I have to ask when your pastor asked you to address the congregation, I would assume prior to this experience, when you stopped stuttering, you were nervous as heck to get up in front oh, of people. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. So what was going through your mind when he asked you to address the congregation and talk about what happened? So still had knocking knees, but there was still an overwhelming... See, when when... When you have something miraculous like that happen to you, you you realize that it's 100% God. Mm -hmm. Okay? So even now, you know, the things that God has allowed me to do, the rooms he's allowed me to walk in, the people he's allowed me to associate with, like, it's very easy for me to stay humble simply because I, I remember what it was like being the 17-year-old stuttering boy and realizing, like, None of this is me. This is all to the glory and the, just the, the overwhelming favor of God. So there was still a, a nervousness, but at the same time, there was at the same time, I'd, I'd kind of describe it as a nervous confidence. Like mm -hmm. I, I knew what God had done a couple of weeks ago. I knew what he was doing in my life then. Now, 
let me just tell you a quick, interesting story is fast forward a couple years. I think it was 19 going on 20. And I got invited to preach at a conference. And I'll never forget being ushered up to where the speakers were sitting. I started to gain some reputation as a young fireball preacher. And I sat down in the second row. And when they were about to introduce me to speak, I hear the guy in front of me who doesn't realize I'm sitting behind him lean over to the guy next to him and say, have you heard this kid preach? Buckle your seatbelts. There was this, as I'm embarrassed to say, this kind of pride that entered me at that moment to where I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to rock this place. I'm going to light it on fire. Like it's, you know, uh-huh. and uh, I'll never forget because I took, I took the stage. I stood at the podium in front of this large youth camp and no joke not a word could come out of my mouth. Whoa. I could not open my mouth without stuttering. And I just stood there and the place started chanting my name and I couldn't even speak. I was just absolutely just mortified. And every time I would try to speak, it was just like nothing but mumbo jumbo would uh, come out. And I just closed my Bible. I turned and walked off stage left and walked into this room where they would store a lot of the chairs and tables and stuff. And this older minister walked in, put his arm around me and said, son, I knew it was going to happen sooner or later, but it's better to happen now. I just cried and repented and said, God, I'm sorry. This is you. It's not me. And the grace of God, he allowed me to continue to use my, my voice. But if you want to talk about a humiliating and humbling experience, mm. It's it's moments like those that God just reminds you, like, this isn't about your fame. This isn't about your ability because it's not yours. It's, it's a gift. I also want to circle back, Josh, on the relationship you had with Jesus during those years when you had the stuttering issue. And what happened after the healing? Did your relationship shift at all or was it the same? What did that look like? You know, I was brought up in a home with a praying mother. You know, when I say praying mother, I mean, every day she would allow my sister and I to color or maybe play quietly in the living room, but we would always be playing within earshot of this woman that would just travail for two hours. Wow. I mean, just, just pray, pray over her kids, pray over our nation, uh, just always just interceding before God. So I had the luxury of growing up on the coattails of that. Uh, I will say that after the age of 17, I started to travel pretty much full time. I was, I was rarely home. I was, you know, just doing the speaking circuit. Mm -hmm. And there was a season there that you could find yourself getting so busy with just the busyness of ministry that you do kind of find yourself uh, it's not that, that you don't want to be close to God, but you make time for so many other things and you get so busy in ministry that you lose, that you just lose focus, you lose contact. And so I did have to go through a little bit of a season to where I was like, look, all of this is, is, you know, it's not priority. You know, as the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added to you. So I had to, take time to refocus and develop a prayer life and develop a spiritual life and develop convictions 
and stuff that 100% were mine mm-hmm. and were not just me drafting off of the luxury of growing up in a very strong Christian home. It was that season of not not self-discovery, but discovery, like God discovery within me mm-hmm. that really helped bring me to the point to where I said, okay, I'm no longer the son of Tom and Kathleen. Now I'm Josh Fierstein. And I've got to see what God's saying to me, and uh, and I've got to dig in this word for myself, and can't just live off the morsels of the bread that my parents was yeah. uh, breaking. Yeah, That's, so good. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Explain to me during this transition, and then you start going out and publicly speaking. Then you had this humiliating experience where you couldn't speak, but God was showing you who was really in charge. Right. Right. What kind of transition started to happen in terms of any fear you might have experienced? Was there a growing confidence that started to occur that you looked outside yourself and said, this confidence is not for me? Sure. God is clearly engineering something here. You know, when you get to the point in the place, and I could sit here and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle of things that would happen. And I'm not talking about like TBN miracles. I'm not talking about just like faith healing, you know, and something you'd watch on TV with the guy with a white pompadour and a gold watch. Like, like I, but I'm talking about just genuine, authentic, incredible, miraculous things. I, I could sit here and tell you story after story after story. And the reason those things happen is because when you reach a place to where 100% of your dependence is on God, which is again why I think that in the American church, you don't see a lot of the miraculous anymore. I think here in America, we've kind of created this country club Christianity, and we marvel when a missionary will come through and tell stories of the miraculous things that are happening in China or in Africa and stuff. And we wonder, well, why doesn't that stuff happen here in the U.S.? Well, I think it's because we have, we've been taught to rely on ourselves. Even, even as Christians, yes. we kind of have this self-reliant attitude and everything's about blessing and everything's about <laughs> prosperity. But when you look at people in third world countries who have to 100% rely on God for their next meal, for safety for their family, for protection, for God. Like when you have to rely on God on a day to day basis, there is a certain element of faith that you live in because faith is really a result of having experience after experience after experience. And I feel that sometimes American Christianity can at, at times be somewhat shallow because we haven't had the necessity of needing God day to day. Because just me being completely honest, this is something that I had to battle in my life because after God gives me this gift to be able to publicly speak and do so in a persuasive manner, if he gives you the gift, then you've got that and you can pervert it. You can ride solely on your gift and your ability to to speak because this is a gift that he's that he's given you. If I give a gift to anybody, once I give it, it's up to them how they're going to use it, how they're going to display it, what they're going to do with it. And I think that oftentimes God will give give us these gifts and instead of going back and continually relying on him, we sometimes want to rely simply on the gift, we use it for our own gain, our own profit, and you know it can be easily perverted. But 
when you have to rely on him over and over and over and over, I really do believe it begins to open up doors of miraculous because it causes there to be a faith in you when you see God perform over and over. There's just an expectation. The same way that when we drive down the street, we trust traffic lights because over and over our experience with traffic lights have been that they work. Yep. So when it shows green, a lot of times I go without even looking because I have a relationship with traffic lights that have proven to be accurate and work a hundred percent of the time. And so I'd really want to encourage people to develop that, that kind of relationship with God and do it even in business, set goals, set expectations and put yourself in positions to where you have to rely on God in order to accomplish whatever it is that you're wanting to accomplish. I'll say this and I'll shut up because I'm chasing rabbits now, but I've, uh, you know, I've had people that have asked me, you know, at times like why Josh, you seem to have accomplished this. You've accomplished this. You've done this, uh, particularly as a young guy, like when, when I was in my twenties and I would go and the Arizona diamondbacks would just give me a stadium. There's literally been times that they'd just give us the stadium for free and say, hold your event here. And people would be like, Josh, how come this stuff always happens? And I'm like, well, you do big things when you try big things. Mm -hmm. And because I've been willing to fail and because I've been willing to rely on God and say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm literally just going to walk into the Diamondback Stadium and ask them to donate the use of their stadium. Come on. Uh, but because I had that much confidence that God would just do the things that I would ask if it aligned according to his purpose, then I would go try big things. And sure, there's been times that they haven't worked out, but there's been times that they had simply because I attempted them. Yeah. And that's a key word, attempt. Yes. Most people get in their heads, they think about it and overthink it and try to actually do it in their brain when the intention is nothing without action. And look, Joshua, Moses, uh, I, you know, I, I could go on and on through, through scripture of people that if they would have sat down and analyzed everything that God told them to do, it, you <laughs> always come up short, right? right? But when, yep. when you put word to action and that, you know, that action is, is faith, uh, then God says, okay, now watch me work. So I always love to be in situations where the odds are stacked against me because when all is said and done, nobody can say, well, that was Josh's ingenuity. That was Josh's ability. That was, no, no, no. I like putting myself in situations where they say only God could have done that because, you know, then you really do see God show up. Right on. Share just one miraculous story, Josh, that stands out in your mind over the years. So I've already shared a story of healing. So let me kind of show you or share a uh, story that has stuck with me for a very, very long time. I was in a little place called Huntington, Indiana. I got called in to preach for a church that had uh, unfortunately lost its pastor. His The pastor had run off with a lady, embezzled a bunch of money, and this other young pastor had come in and had taken over. The church had gone from several hundred people down to maybe 75. I didn't know all of this, but the pastor calls me in to speak at an engagement there. I show up. God moves in a mighty way. In fact, I spoke that particular night uh, that I preached. I said, you're wanting revival. You know, it's like you're praying for rain, but you don't bring an umbrella. 
you're wanting revival, but you've taken seats out of the balcony and put them in storage. There's no water in the baptistry. Like you've got to prepare for what you're praying for. And so right, right in the middle of the sermon, people went up, started filling up the baptistry with water. Usher started taking chairs out, putting them in the balcony. They decided to have a service the next night. We had 27 brand new people from the community come spontaneously get baptized. <laughs> people were just, uh, it was just, it was an incredible scene. So I ended up finding out from the pastor that their church was about $400,000 in debt, uh, thanks to the former pastor embezzling money and stuff. And this is a pretty poor part of Indiana. So I'll just kind of fast forward through the story. He takes through what he felt was an act of faith. He's like, after that sermon you preached, we're just going to watch God move and we're going to try something impossible. So he wrote out checks and mailed them to all of the creditors for $400,000. They didn't have the money in the account. I told him, I said, you can't do that, man. That's mail fraud. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I, here, here I am. I'm telling them, don't do it. Don't like, bro, th- this is not a good idea. Like you could go to jail for this. And then the church is going to lose two pastors. But he did it. Long story short, a couple weeks later, the bank calls. These checks are coming through. There's no money in the account. The next morning, we're praying. And three men show up in suits. The church secretary comes in, gets the pastor. I think it's probably the FBI. So I'm trying to crawl under a pew to hide. you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm like, I'm not going to jail with this guy. It ended up being a Catholic diocese wanting to buy the stained glass windows from the building. Long story short, they end up writing him a check for $400,000 for the stained glass windows. But here's the crazy thing. We ended up having to move the revival out to a tent. They ended up having to not use the building. There was a restoration project. And during that, the church secretary one day shows up with a $1 bill. And she said, I was walking through Long John Silver's parking lot. There was this $1 bill. The wind was blowing, but it was not moving. When I picked it up off the ground, I felt the Lord just impress on me that we're going to buy our next building with this $1 bill. Fast forward a few weeks later, the pastor gets a call from the mayor of the city, goes to a city council meeting, and they tell him, we have this huge school. We've moved all the students over to this other school. We'd like to sell it to your church with all of its acreage. Um, it was like 60,000 square feet. And he's like, yeah, well, we're not really in a financial position to do it. The mayor says, well, we've already voted. We want to sell it to you for $1. <laughs> so that's what, that's kind of one of the stories that's always incredible stuck with me just about God's miraculous power when we do things that seem absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, his ability to show up and perform. Incredible. One of the other things that you talk about is our problems are actually part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. Explain that, please. So I went through a season, you know, like people have been hearing about all the great things that God's done, but I, <laughs> I went through a season of incredible brokenness. So started a church, it grew, put all my time, blood, sweat, tears, you know, into this, this church and grew it to well over a thousand people uh, at our service. And um, I ended up becoming engaged to the worship leader, thought I was just absolutely head over heels in love. We 
had dated. We got engaged. She's the worship leader of our church, a very public part of our church. And uh, it seems like it's going to be this love story, right? Well, a few weeks before we were supposed to get married, she ends up falling in love with the drummer and decides she's going to resign as worship leader, and she no longer wants to be my fiance. leaves the church. Wow. Absolutely crushes me. I mean, crushes me. No doubt. And I went into the season. I mean, I was embarrassed to even stand in my own pulpit because I just felt this rejection. Like, all the rejection I felt as a kid just came back a hundredfold. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was just publicly hurt. I was humiliated. And, uh, you know, at that time I was doing TBN and, you know, the local television and, you know, all that stuff. And in my head, I was headed to the top. You know, I was, I was the next big thing. So I go through the season where I just become extremely broken, end up resigning the church because I don't even want to show up on Sunday. I'm just humiliated, go through a depression, gain a bunch of weight. I'm talking like 70, 80 pounds. Mm. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm just more disgusted with myself. It just, bro, I wouldn't, you know, when I say I, I got to the point to where it would have been very easy for me to pull a trigger, I really, really mean that. Like I was, I was at a very low point. Uh, I'm in my late twenties. I moved back in with my, my parents, which is a Uber sign of success. Right. <laughs> right. And um, I'm laying there on a floor, they're both gone, and I'm just bawling. I mean, till tears can't even come out anymore. I mean, I'm just crying, snot coming out of my nose. And I'm laying there on the floor, and I'm kind of blaming God. I'm like, God, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't do drugs. I've saved myself for marriage. I see guys that are not doing this stuff and they're blessed. You know, I'm kind of like presenting him like my own righteousness. Yeah. Like, look, God, at what I've done for you. You know, I just kind of go into this game of like, well, you're not really blessing me. It kind of seems like I'm cursed. And I'm laying here broken in billions of pieces. I'm, I'm just shattered. Like, I can't be put back together. And I'm kind of questioning God why. Long, long story short. God impresses on me in that moment, probably one of the most incredible, revelatory moments, epiphanies of my life. He takes me to the story of the five loaves and two fish. And he says, Josh, see, leading up to my wedding, I was on an extended fast. I was in a time of like serious prayer and consecration. And I'm praying, God, use us to change the world. I want to preach to billions of people. Like, I want to do great things for your kingdom. I'm sold out for you. Like, I'm, pray- I'm praying these prayers, right? But little do I know what I'm actually praying. And so God reminds me, you remember how you were praying all this stuff? Well, the five loaves and two fish can't feed potentially 15,000 people, 5,000 plus women and children. Mm-hmm. Five loaves, two fish don't add up to feeding 15,000 people until you see that the Bible says that God blessed it, and then he broke it. So he would he offered it up to heaven. Jesus offers it up to heaven. And the Bible says he blesses it, and then he breaks it. And I actually found that my blessing was in my breaking. So the more pieces that he broke it into, the more people that he was able to feed it with. And he's like, Josh, you're saying you want to reach billions of people. Well, first, you got to be broken into billions of pieces. And I was like, whoa. And the crazy thing is, Facebook had just started the upload your own video feature. And I just felt God say, look, 
There's people out there that need to be ministered to that you're never going to reach in a pulpit, ever. So just start doing videos, no suit, no tie, no pomp and circumstance, like none of all of the peripheral stuff that we get caught up in. I want you and your baseball cap just to start giving these messages to people. And literally Facebook had just started this feature like that day. And so I did a video called Developing Your Negative, where I talked about how in the back of a camera, you have a negative. That negative looks brown, ugly, dreary, inverted, upside down. But when the light from above shines through that negative, it creates a beautiful picture. And I upload it, go to bed. The next day I wake up, it has, you know, 10,000 shares. Wow. And I'm like, what in the world? So I did another one and I did another one. Well, long story short, fast forward a, a couple years, I did a video called Dear Mr. Atheist, which did 400 and some million views. Wow. Just that, that one video of me driving in a car with a backwards baseball cap explaining how we cannot be the product of evolution, but that we're a product of God that designed us. And if he did, designed us, he has a purpose for us and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So now on the other side of it, to see 4 billion video views later, and in full transparency, some of those have been political but political from a standpoint of righteousness. Four billion video views later, none of that would have happened had I not gone through that breaking process, nor would I even be able to relate to the people that I'm ministering to now because I'd I'd still be stuck in the mindset of me as a pastor. you know. But God used that situation the same way he did for Joseph. I mean, think, Joseph was beaten up by his brothers, left for dead, sold into slavery, and but that whole process of him getting rejected and hurt actually was the catalyst for him being placed in a prison in Egypt. And he was there, most most biblical historians would say, he was probably in that jail for about two years. Yeah, And we're talking about an underground sewer that he's living in. And yet, God used all of that to position him for the right moment when he could accelerate his purpose and just the snap of a finger and put him in a position to where now he's literally the second in command, the second most powerful man in the entire world. Yeah. So I think that if people realize that whatever it is that they're going through, whatever challenge they're facing, they have to be able to view everything that God puts in their path, every obstacle, instead of cursing it, like, you know, probably six, seven years ago, uh, a follower of mine actually invited me out to San Diego and he's one of the guys that trains the Navy SEALs. And so he took me out on the hallowed ground of the obstacle course there outside of San Diego to where I was able to walk where all the Navy SEALs have trained. I mean, this is where buds happens. Yeah. And he shows me their obstacle course. And I mean, he climbs this 60 foot rope in a matter of seconds and, and, I kind of had this moment where I'm standing there and I'm looking at all of these the, these obstacles on this obstacle course, realizing that each of these obstacles were actually designed to make him faster, to make him stronger, to make him better. Mm-hmm. So they were designed with a specific purpose in order to equip him for the job that was uh, that was in front of him. So maybe if people switched the way that they look at obstacles and they switch the way that they look at problems and circumstances and realize if there is a God, and there is, 
If there is a God that is looking at the landscape of your life, then he's looking at the things that he's designed you to do and the greatness and the eliteness that he wants you to accomplish and walk in. But you're not going to get there and you're not going to be ready to operate the way that he wants you to operate if you're not willing to embrace those obstacles and realize that he's designed those things specifically for you to prepare you for the things that are ahead of you. Yes, and you're coming out with a devotional focused on that whole concept, right? Yes, we are going to be uh, putting it out in 2021. A lot of exciting stuff uh, happening. We're also going to kind of reinvent maybe the way that people know church. We're going to be launching America's Church. Uh, I've hired some great guys on, brought some great guys on, partnered with other guys to launch some companies to fund these uh, ventures. And mm-hmm. 2021, even through the pandemic, And the problem, like all the stuff that happened, I said, okay, God, like this pandemic is a problem. Like it's a problem for a lot of people. How can we take this obstacle and embrace it and reimagine the way that we do stuff so that we can reach more and more and more people? 2021 is going to be an exciting year because every time that there's a shakeup in any sort of market, any sort of industry, there's opportunity for new leaders to arise. So I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to what God has in this this coming year. Well, Josh, as we finish up here, is there any one thing that you tend to tell people more frequently than anything else when it comes to a piece of advice? Who um wow. Here's the one that I, I would start with is if you don't have a prayer life, you have to develop one. And that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, ball your eyes out and intercede for two hours a day like my mother did. But I'm talking about three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, even sporadically throughout your day. Take time to have conversation with God because I have watched in my life, God does stuff. And, and, and I've met so many people that have said, man, I just don't really have time. Like, Josh, if you knew my life, like I'm an entrepreneur, I own this company or I do this. And I'm like, bro, you don't have time to not pray. Like when you, when you develop a prayer life and when you develop intimacy with God, I've watched him in my life do things in one minute that I could have never done in 10 weeks of working from six in the morning to 9 PM at night. 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah. So just, Develop the relationship with God, and when you truly pursue the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the Bible promises all these other things are going to be added to us. And Joshua Latimer, one of your former guests, is one of my closest friends. And if you were to ask him, he he sits back at times and he's like, Josh, it's crazy the stuff that happens to you. Like, this isn't normal. And the only thing that I can credit all of this stuff to it's not me because if you were to see me, I'm still an overweight dude that's not that good looking. God's blessed me with an incredible wife and six wonderful children now. Mm. But there's nothing about me that's special. But I do serve a very special, a very amazing God that likes to confound. As scripture says, he confounds the wise by using people like me to do incredible things. And it confounds people because there's no way it can be me. So even if you're feeling, like you're less than, I mean, think 
David. I mean, I, I could go through a whole list of biblical characters that were less than, but God specializes in using people that are not qualified for the task. Yes. But they love him and he works through them to do these incredible things. So ultimately he gets the glory. So pray, 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 pray. That's probably my best advice. Well, on that note, I'd love to have you pray for our listeners as we finish up, please. Yes, of course. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see every single person that's listening to this podcast. Lord, I do not believe that they're here by accident, but by divine providence that you have aligned everything in their life so that they would come to this moment. And I would pray that anybody right now that seems far away from you, God, maybe somebody that has known you at one time in their life or or has had relationship but has even wandered away, God, somebody right now that just feels like they've been rejected and they've been uh, just abused and spit out. Life has just trampled them, especially in this this last year. God, I pray that right now that you would wrap your loving arms around them, that you would hold them close in a heavenly hug, that they would feel your embrace, that they would feel your love in this exact moment. And God, I pray that you would begin to fill people with your spirit in a way that empowers them, empowers them to change lives around them. God, you have a, a purpose that you want accomplished on in in this earth and in this world. And I believe that you're going to use people listening to this podcast to do it, to change the world around them. So I pray, God, that you would fill them up overflowing so that people would drink out of their excess, that people would find sustenance and hope, and that out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. God, that you will fill them up overflowing like a like a pot, like a jar, that a faucet that never turns off, God, that they would stay full, but they would stay full so much that people would would habitate around them just to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I pray for everybody listening today, God, I pray that you bless them even in their brokenness, that that they that you would take situations and circumstances that seem less than perfect. And God, that you would work miracles through those so that nobody gets the glory but you. And we give you all of the praise, all of the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Joshua, thank you. Great to have you on the program. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.